Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. So let's read Luke chapter 13, verse 6 through 9. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. Again and again as a time period in the scriptures, usually about three years. But he was also always disappointed finally he said to his gardener i have waited three years there it is for you and there hasn't been a single fig this tree is not producing fruit cut it down it is it's just taking up space in the garden the gardener answered sir give it one more chance how many know we need some gardeners in life to give us one more chance amen God is our gardener, and he is full of mercy, and I'm grateful for more chances. So he said, give it one more chance, leave it another year, and I will give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. This is a small parable, but and I want to jump over and link it to John chapter 15 and verse 4 and 16 and that's where I'm going to hang out just for a little bit today. John 15 4 through 16 says abide in me. Let's read it together. How about that? All together. Ready? Go. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Go to verse 16. Ye have not chosen me but I have chosen you. Aren't you glad about that? He chose you a long time ago and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Everyone say that word one more time. Remain. That's a good word. That whosoever ye shall ask, whatsoever ye shall ask of my Father in my name, ye, he shall, I may give it to you. Okay, I'm getting distracted. I apologize. I'm thinking of my sermon while you guys are reading. I should have let you read. I just want to talk to you about the success of sustainable source service and in giving of yourself in self-control. Amen? So those are the three things that I want to hit, and it's very important that I hit these because I feel like in our culture we're losing self-control. We are losing the ability to understand what self-control means to our spiritual life, and that's what I want to talk about some today. Jesus, give us your word. Give us a strong anointing. Let us feel your presence in this place. Let us sense you touch our hearts in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. Your success is only sustainable by your source. Amen, somebody. Another way of saying that is your success is coming from something other than you. A lot of people feel like their success, their self-made, self-made individual, self-made man. But the key to a success story is understanding God's definition of success applied with your story. Most people don't understand, as we understand it, success itself. They don't know where success comes from, don't know how to find it. There's millions of dollars spent every year on tips and books and and seminars that people go to to try and find their success. And in that, they're searching for an ability that Jesus said only comes from your connection to him. He said, if you ask anything, I will give it to you, but the key to giving, to my giving, is that you are connected to the vine. Now, the vine is not what some of us think it is, where you, there's a beautiful house on Calhoun Road, just happens to be on the name of our, on a road named after us, and it has beautiful beautiful vines growing all up the front of the house. It's just a gorgeous house. We were driving by there the other day and my son looked at it and he said, I would like to live in that house. And I said, yeah, that's a gorgeous house. But those things crawling up the wall are not the vines. The vine actually in scripture refers to the four foot to six foot tree or stump that comes out of the ground. What you see on the wall are called the branches. 
the branches. And those have life only because they're connected to the vine. Amen? So Jesus actually said, you were ordained by me. I ordained you in order that in being chosen by me, you would bring forth fruit. But in order for you to bring forth something successful like fruit, you have to stay connected to me. How many know that we have many things we are connected to in life? We're connected through smart technology. We're connected through sync technology. We're connected when we get into our car. Our phone connects to our car automatically without us even doing anything. There's all kinds of things that make connections for us. When you're driving on the freeway talking on the phone, your phone jumps to the next cell tower so that you can continue your conversation. All of these things happen behind the scenes. And I want you to know there's no connection like being connected to Jesus Christ. There is so much he does behind the scenes that you don't know about. I'm preaching real good right now, but I just want you to know that my connection to Christ is the most important connection in my life, bar none. Amen? Regardless of what this world does or the opinions of man, I am going to stay hold of Jesus Christ. I'm going to hold on to truth because I know that that's what keeps my connection with Almighty God. Hello, somebody. And I know that what brings, that's what brings fruit to my, my life. In order for me to flourish, in order for me to flow, I have to be connected to God. So no fruit can be better than that connection. We have to understand this point, that no fruit can be better than the vine that produces it. And that's why I'm very careful the things I let myself connect to. I connect to careful things. I don't want to just watch anything. I don't want to just be around everybody. I want to make sure that I'm connecting to somebody or connecting to something that honors and lifts up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm careful about what I connect to, amen? When you're watching things or when you're uh, like even on your email, there's things that show up on the side or email, there's junk mail that comes into your email box and you, if you click on that, you can get a virus and you not even know it till later. I got like, I, I clicked on some stuff that was just, all it was was just advertisements from companies that I have to buy things from for my job online. So I have to go online, purchase cables and different things for connections. And though, even those, those connections were necessary and you know, those cables were needed for me to buy. I didn't realize, but the, the company that I was buying from, they had a virus embedded in their website. And so when I went to buy something that I needed, making what I thought was a connection that would be safe, I ended up damaging my computer over it. How many have ever been there? And so what I ended up having to do was have a specialist come on and clean out my computer, amen? And, do, and what he did is he went behind everything else and started pulling up different diagnostics that allowed him to see who was connecting to my computer and it said look you've got this connection and this connection and somebody in Russia and somebody here and somebody there and they are using your computer to make other connections and route things through your computer and I was like well tell them to stop I don't want them to make connections with other people through my computer that's my property and I feel the same way way when the enemy comes into our life and tries to make connections to things that we don't know do we don't want connections to in the spiritual world I don't want things in my life flowing through my home spiritual beings coming in thinking that they are welcome in my life without me knowing about it and if they're there I'm praying them out I don't want a connection that doesn't lead to God I don't want a connection in my life that doesn't help me and make me spiritually healthy Amen. Because my fruit is determined by my connection, and my connection needs to be to the vine. So examine your own life. What has given you success? What are you connected to? Think about it for just a minute. What are you connected to on a day to day basis? What is your source? Because your sustainability comes from that source. Sustainability is a buzzword today. Everybody's using it. Sustainable fuel. Sustainable farming. Sustainable living. I think it's good, all of it. I really do. I like whole foods. I have to give them my whole wallet because it's whole foods. It's not half wallet. It's whole wallet at whole foods. 
but I appreciate the fact that I know it's coming from an organic source and it's good for my body. I don't want to put things into my body that's not good for me, unless I choose to, okay? So I'm, I have moments where I want an ice cream cone and I want a chocolate dipped. Hello, somebody, I'm preaching now. And I want that shake and I want everything fried and dipped at State Fair. Come on now, help me preach up in here. But we need to make sure that we understand what sustainability comes from. And God's success is sustainable if we're connected to him because I want that. I want that in my life. I ask God, how can I sustain this church? How can I sustain a ministry? How can I sustain a walk with God in front of my children? All of those things are important because you have to realize that your story is the most wealthy thing that you have in your life. There was a quote that I read not too long ago and it said, your story is your wealth. The interesting thing about people that are rich, they can be rich and not have wealth in their life, they, or they can be wealthy and not have riches in their life. I've always felt like even though I grew up poor, that I had the riches of God in my life. How many believe that? You had rich things in your life. But I read this quote this week that talked about your wealth actually doesn't come from your finances. It comes from the, the value and the preciousness of the story of your life, the moments you remember on a day-to-day -day basis. And that sustainability in my life comes from the fact of the people that I love and I care about, which are all of you, obviously and my family, and those that we love. And when we get together here, something happens in my heart when we begin to worship together because I'm so glad that I'm with the people of God. A sustainable source of worship is being at the house of God, amen? Where people come to lift up the name of the Lord. I'm so grateful. You can be the wealthiest person on the planet and not know the beauty of worship. You can be the wealthiest person on the planet and not know the, the graciousness and the preciousness of a walk with God. You can be the most gifted individual and not know that God looks on success differently than man does. And we are wealthy because we know God's success strategies in our life. God looks at a man who's living day to day on the bread he can find on the mission field, preaching the gospel as success. And he looks at another man in a plush office with everything around him at his beck and call and says, that is failure. And the sooner we find out what God's success is, the sooner we can find out how to sustain our life with strength, amen? So God knows how to find us and he knows how to talk to our hearts. And when he finds us, he teaches us what his success stories are. I was reading through the passages, obviously, getting ready to preach, and we were working in Atlanta, Georgia, where it's very hot. And Atlanta is known, or Georgia is known for what? Peaches. And my partner that I was with, his name is Aaron. And so we go, actually the way my schedule has turned out is we go and we work, we're so tired, we go home, we sleep, we get up about 8 o'clock, go find food, go back and sleep. <laughs> How many work a job that wears you out? Anybody want to join me there? So we were headed back to the hotel that night, and he goes, man, I'm so upset. And he's a real, he's a real fiery kind of guy, he's passionate. He's, I'm like, what are you upset about? Everything went good today. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm so mad because I've been here for three days and I haven't seen a single peach tree. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, this is Georgia. They have them on their license plates. Why haven't I seen a peach tree? So for the next two days, we were doing rubbernecking, looking for peach trees because he wanted to see a peach tree. It's like my dad lived downtown and he had a peach tree in his backyard. And when we went to visit, man, that's all we ate. We would just put the, pick those peaches and we would eat those peaches. And we loved coming to visit grandpa because he had fruit on the tree. Amen. And did you know that it's the same way with God and it's the same way in our spiritual life? That we are the people who are supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Amen? And when people come in to the church and they're looking for the fruit of the Spirit, they need to see that there's fruit at the house of God. They need to see that there's peace in your life when you don't find peace anywhere around you. They need to see that you love your enemy even though they don't deserve love.
Hello, somebody. They need to know that you have patience more than somebody else. And if they want to cut you off, just say, well, they must need to move in here a little bit sooner and get where they're going. Have some patience. Some people don't even know they're doing what they're doing. In fact, I know for a fact, driving with my friend, he cut somebody off and he's like, oh man, sorry. He's sorry. The guy behind us is honking and giving all kinds of nonverbal gestures. Because he has no patience for someone to make a mistake. What if the church can be connected to the vine? And we can have so much low-hanging fruit of the Spirit that when somebody walks into this place, you are the one they see and you are the fruit of God that they experience and you are the person that's standing there in patience and hope and joy and love and they see it in your life. And they go, this is where we connect to Jesus. These people have been with the Lord. Because there's fruit in their life. I don't want to live my life staring at my own life and go, look, I, I, I look like I have fruit. I, I look beautiful on the outside. I, I dress up nice, Sister Ellen. But I don't have any fruit. The most dangerous thing we could have is no fruit. Because the scripture says that when the caretaker comes, the gardener, see God is a gardener. He'll prune you. He'll cut you back so you produce fruit. And when he cuts you back, it's not comfortable. Some people think that God is just a genie in a bottle, that you just come and you rub the altar and God gives you your request. God's not like that. He's more like Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> he comes and he carves and he cuts away and he removes the dead areas of our life and the things that are, cannot produce fruit in us so that we can produce greater fruit. Amen? How many have had something cut out of your life and you're like, no, I don't want that to go? How many have been there? But then you lived a year or two and you saw something grow back in that area that you could have never developed on your own. Has anybody ever been there? Oh my goodness. I, I really feel like God wants to share with somebody that your success in God has to be rooted deeply in him. Because your, your, your talents can take you places that your character cannot keep you. Your talent can get you in the door at a job that your integrity will destroy if you're not connected to the vine. If you're not connected to God who says, you need to be honest, even when it hurts, you need to be good to your coworkers. You need, I don't know why I'm on this, but I, it's not even in my notes, but I tell you this, my success story has to be connected to the sustainable source of Jesus Christ. Remove God from the equation, you remove my success from the equation. I am not a successful man because I check all the right boxes and I do all the right things and I plan so perfectly and I preach the best messages and we play the best songs. Hello, somebody. I, we are successful here because we are connected to Almighty God and His vision and His purpose and His power. I don't know about you, but when I feel the Holy Ghost preaching, I'm ready to get on a chair and declare that it's not about me. It's about him because when I get to a point oh I feel like pre can I preach right now is that okay if I preach I get to a point where I realize that if I don't have Jesus I'm not gonna make it and I realize that when I'm connected to him everything he gives me the world cannot take it away what the world gives to me they can take away but what Jesus gives to me Nobody can take away. And this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The, my grandmother used to sing it all the time. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world can't take it away. I'm so grateful that I know that God is with me. I want to define my life. And I want this church to be the source of life. Amen? In Jesus Christ. He is the life spring from which we draw. Amen, somebody. You can't stop a God who supplies. If God is unstoppable, as we sung about, wouldn't you want to be connected to an unstoppable source? 
What I love about God is he never has to go into reserves, Melody. He never has to dip into the warehouse to pull out something because the second you take from him, you don't diminish him at all. God is so powerful that when you draw your biggest day from him, your biggest need from him, there is nothing removed from him even though you have your greatest need met from him. He never ceases to be what he is. He can never be diminished. He can never be surprised. Nothing takes him by off, nothing catches him off guard. He, is never, he never has a moment where he goes, hmm, didn't think about that. And God cannot improve. We have to make sure we understand that. Because if we think that church and God is improving in our world, we have to understand that God does not improve. He only reveals himself more to us. And in that revelation, if we're connected to him, we get to see the truth of God lived out in our life. So Bible says that we should not be deceived. Amen? Many times, Matthew 24, Jesus says, be not deceived. So many times where we, re we read about be not deceived. Paul repeats it in, in Galatians and in 1 Corinthians when he's talking to the churches. He says, don't be deceived. Our world is drowning in self-deception. I guarantee you, you need somebody that comes to your life and tells you, hey, you want to rethink that? Maybe you need to think that because your thoughts are not the final end all. We have to realize that we can think the way we think about something, but it may not be the best way to think about it. And the only way to know that is to be connected to the vine. Amen? So we have to find ourselves an opportunity to self-correct. And the way you do that is through self-control. Everyone say self-control. It's necessary because without it, other things are allowed to enter your life. Hear me carefully. There's self-deception. There's self-centeredness. There's self-pleasing. There's even self-worship. That's where you remove God and you worship self. There's self-ambition. How, how many have heard people say, I've got a lot of self-ambition? Not necessarily wrong until it becomes what you worship. Amen? You have a free will it is a gift from God and it propels your life toward God's best for you or it can be used to self-destruct your life. Your free will can either choose God on the throne or yourself on the throne or something else you choose to worship. But you're going to worship something, amen? If you choose not to worship God, you'll polish that car and take it to the car show and you'll worship that car. You'll worship something else if you choose not to worship God because we were made to worship, amen? So you have to understand that the gift from God that is your free will that allows you to choose what you worship has to be not only defined, but you have to set your worship on God. You have to set your life to worship God. To do what you want to do all the time leads to self-destruction, amen? But to do what you ought to do all the time that is called self-control and we ought to do what God desires us to do amen Proverbs deals with the lack of self-control in Proverbs 25 and 28 it says whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls everyone say without walls Meaning, walls were the defense of a city in biblical times. Everyone say defense. How many know you win football games with defense? In fact, you win anything with defense. Your offense gets you there, but if you don't have defense, you don't win. So this, this verse right here means that your best self-defense is self-control. Great walls in the scripture represented great defense systems. So the scripture is trying to tell us that a man who has no self-control over his own spirit, man being plural, people, people that have no self-control are like a city that have no defense system. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Does that make sense to you? In other words, your defense system is connected to your self-control in life. 
And this is very important because I've lived all my life watching people flop around in the altar and get up on Monday and Tuesday and dismantle the spiritual work that was done in their life on Sunday, on Monday or Tuesday because they didn't have any self-control. You have to know that your walk with God has to do a lot with your self-control. Everyone say self-control. Solomon says a person that cannot control himself is totally defenseless through this verse. You break it down. The world has been indoctrinated with the lie. You have the right to do what you want to do. How many have heard that? Your happy is the most important happy. Be who you are. Go ahead. Be you. All of that stuff. Do what you want to do. Frank Sinatra said, I'll do it my way. Amen. That is the world and the message of this world. And that sounds good to many. And many do believe it. Because it kind of feels right to the human heart. Well, I should be happy. I should do what I want to do. But the truth of the matter is, happiness comes from discipline. And discipline comes from self-control. That is why you see people who have great self-esteem, but they didn't work on their self-esteem. They worked on their self-control. Their mom and dad were sick and tired of them, so they booted them right into military. They said, go ahead, see if the army can do anything with you. And the army doesn't start with where they are. They start with what they do. And so they say, what you're going to do is you're going to get up every morning at 4 a.m. You're going to make your bed so you can bounce a quarter off it. You're going to be at PT at 6 o'clock, 0600. You're going to work yourself to death for an hour and a half, take a 15-minute shower, eat breakfast for 15 minutes, and then you're going to march fully suited up in the next three, for the next three hours, and we're going to teach you how to be a soldier. The reason why they teach them what to do first is because what they, what they are and what they're going to be comes off of what they do. Amen? So if you want to build somebody into something that they're previously not able to do, it's because you have to start with who they are as their actions. And their actions are, we need to train you to do certain things every day. So they train them. They get up this time. They eat this time. They do these things. And when you come out of the military, they have a hard time not getting up at 4 a.m. every morning or getting up at 6 a.m. and going and doing the things that they used to do because they are self-controlled by the things that they used to do. And so some of us need to have the message put into our life that our success comes from regular discipline and our self-control comes from daily routines. You flourish from where you flow from. And if you don't know that your vine is Jesus Christ and that you need to get up in the morning and you need to pray and you need to seek a devotion time and you need to spend time with God, you will have days and weeks and months that pile up where you don't feel any purpose in your life because you're not connected to the vine amen you're missing self-control and it's really important that we know this because the world is so absent self-control they're run by their technology they don't even have plans from week to week some of them they just run on what comes to them it's dangerous to live like that it feels it feels right to search after the things of your heart but you have to know that Jeremiah talks about this in 17 and 9. He, he, he says this in Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is a de deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In other words, your self-control is designed. Your routines that you set up with God and with reading the word and with praying in the morning or in the evening if you have to. If you're not a morning person, fine. Pray in the evening. I don't care. I'm, I'm just saying you have to have spiritual discipline. I'm personally not a morning person. You wake me up in the morning too early, I'm, I'm kind of cranky. I'll be honest with you. I'm Mr. Grumpy Grumperson. But the problem that I see is people that say, well, I'm not a morning person, so I don't do a devotion. I don't do anything. And then they find themselves spiritually weak. Your self-control has everything to do with your spiritual life. Did you know that? Jeremiah 17 said, he said, control, you control your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? So the war for your soul is found in your self-control. 
I know I'm beating this because I know that there needs to be some, some teaching on this that goes out even on the web that people need to know that there are forces that we must protect ourselves from and you need great defense in this life. You need great walls of protection spiritually in your life and it's found in the practical things of self-control. Literally is. There are three forces we must fight daily. The world. I want to say the world. That's external force. Forces outside of you. The second one is your flesh. Everyone say the flesh. That's internal forces. The forces inside of you. And then the devil. I want to say the devil. And those are spiritual forces. And the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to what? right without self-control you destroy what God can do with you through you be through you with you and through you because you leave yourself defenseless you have to know that you need a spiritual defense and you need a physical defense amen you need spiritual walls up and you need routine walls up in your life the reason why some people don't understand that their marriage is not getting stronger is because they don't put up walls of regular routine in their marriage that promotes healthy living promotes a life in their marriage and i want you to know this that i've asked i've asked many people what's the secret of success in marriage and somebody asked them this old couple they had been married for 53 years and they asked the guy well what's the secret to your marriage what what did you do he said I kept coming home every night he said I just set one self-control I didn't go to the bars with my buddy I didn't go do this stuff that everybody was doing at work I didn't do the things they did all I did was I set myself a routine and I said you know what when the bell rings at five o'clock and work is done I am going to go home to my wife did you feel like going home they asked him no not every time did you want to go home every night no not necessarily but I went home anyways because I had the self-control to know that my relationship with my wife is more important than my heart's desires at times. And we have to know that God wants us to take that opinion about the church. He's the groom, we're the bride. And sometimes we need to have self-control routines in our life of reading the word, seeking God, praying, fasting one day a week, doing what God asks us to do because those are the things that build a strong relationship with God. It's the daily things. The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept. I was standing here in church looking at the stuff, and I'm going, man, it's beautiful. Well, look what God's done. We just had the background lights on, and the lights were closed, and I was walking and praying, and I was walking and praying out there, and I was like, look at all that God did. And you can walk in this place and you can see the beautiful podium and you can see the instruments and you can see the sound systems and all the stuff and you can go, wow, they really did a good job setting this up. But you know, it took us five years to build that. We had to buy this eventually and we had to buy that eventually. When budget allows it, we bought better media controls and when budget allowed it, we bought this and we bought that and we slowly built and we're here today because of self-control because we were careful with the budget and we made sure that we didn't run ourselves out of money and we made sure that God was on it and we made sure that God was in it and guess what God is now saying get ready for revival because you built it to the point where now I'm going to bring the fruit you fertilized it you've treated it you've digged around it you've put in place line upon line effort upon effort to the point where God's saying give it that time and it will bring forth fruit because God is in it amen and I feel like over and over again, there's times where I go to prayer and I'm like, God, have we lost any time? Has there been years wasted? Has there been hindrances? Is there still hope, Lord God, for things to happen the way they are? And he just says, just let me keep building my church. Just let me keep building my church. Show patience. Show self-control in your spiritual life. You keep doing what you know to do and let me take care of the things that you don't know to do. How many know that you cannot know everything but because you serve a God who knows everything he'll take care of it when the time comes to make the connections for you I'm grateful to God for that amen amen amen
There's so many great things going on. I wish I could share with you some of the witnesses that are taking place right now out of this church. People that are running into people. Lindsay talking to people. There's people that are they're going just in public settings. People that need help and need prayer. And people that are praying and seeking God. And all of a sudden they, they have something happen in their life that seems like a trial and a struggle. And they're like, God, I'm connected to you. God, I don't understand. You are my vine and I'm supposed to be the branches. But I'll go anyways and they're sitting in an office with people in a bad situation trying to figure out what to do and they start talking to people and then they pray for them and they start weeping right in that office. I have a personal example of someone that told me happening in this church. They were there for a bad reason to take care of a situation they wish they were not in and, and they, while they were sitting there, began to minister to people in the same situation because they were connected to the vine, amen? And they were allowed to be a life-giving source through the branch, amen? Oh my goodness, I want that kind of fruit in our lives. And if I could tell you the whole story, you'd be blown away by how God is using something that seems bad to be good, amen? So while we can be hindered by the things of life, we have to realize that our greatest defense is in God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 and 25 in the New Living Translation, anyone who strives for mastery is tempered in all things. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. You can feel like you're going the wrong direction you are tempered, if you are living for God and you're connected to the vine, you are winning even though you feel like you're going the wrong direction. The world may be headed in the, wrong, the other direction. And everyone looks at you and says, what a fool. But the truth is, you know what God told you and you know that you're living for God and you don't need what this world has. Did you get a chance to pull up that picture that I sent? Check this out. In the Olympics, this person was swimming Anybody know who Katie Lubke is? that how you say her name? I can't remember how to say her last name. But anyways, look at all these swimmers. They're going that direction. And this swimmer is going the other direction. And when you, looked at, when, when you look at it, you think, they're, they're going the wrong way. They, they're in a major competition, and they're doing it wrong. But if you don't know what's going on, you can judge the situation and say, look at that. That's they've got it all wrong but really what's happening is she's breaking a world record so she's going the wrong way to the world because every other record looks like she should be going that direction but because she's breaking a world record she's going the other direction oh I feel like preaching right here help me out we are not here to live by the laws of this world we're here to live by the kingdom of almighty God and his dominion and his authority is opposite sometimes this world and while we're going in one direction just because you're going in the wrong direction to this world doesn't mean you're losing we're winning go to the next picture so they did an underarm commercial under armor not underarm under armor commercial <laughs> maybe they need to do an underarm commercial i don't know so it's probably a deodorant commercial but they did uh, yeah put that one in the annual jokes so i was gonna be like yeah, remember when pastor said underarm over the pulpit great we like to celebrate when pastor messes up. So if, if we celebrate my mess up, we're going to celebrate yours, just so you know. I'm coming for you. <laughs> they did this new commercial with Under Armour with Michael Phelps because he has now more gold medals than the entire country of Ethiopia. Hello. The entire country of Ethiopia. And he personally has more than them. So they did a Michael Phelps commercial about his disciplines and what he did and how he got up in the morning and he swam and he went through all of this heavy, rigorous training just so that he can win a gold medal. And Paul's hitting this and, and so he says, they do this whole commercial and they do a hashtag, rule yourself. In other words, they're saying Michael Phelps has 22 gold medals right now because of one thing that he can link, link it all to self-control we will win 
And we will see great fruit and great revival in this church and in our life if we can learn to master self-control. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm working on it too. God's been working on me all week. I've been looking at stuff in my life going, I, I can do better there. I can do better. I'm with you, okay? I'm with you. So please process this through your life like I'm processing it through my life. So if you're going to win, you're going to have to train. You're going to have to put time in. So when Paul says, he, anyone who strives must temper himself in all things, that means a man who drives to achieve controls himself. That's what it means. An example is so many different places where the self-discipline of these athletes in the Olympics we're watching right now in Rio. These are the best athletes in the world that are meeting for the Olympics. They're self-disciplined for years. There's self-denial in their diet. There's self-subjection to rigorous training routines. They guard their sleep habits because they know that's how they rebuild their muscles. They guard their sleep habits. How many know we need to rest in Jesus Christ and guard our rest in him? Amen? You need to be in the spirit of God on the Lord's day, but you need to be in God's presence every day. Amen? And they guard their health. We need to guard our spiritual health if we're going to fight for the mastery in spiritual things. They guard their mental toughness. How many guard your spiritual mental toughness? Hour after hour, day after day, month after month, all to perform at their peak for a few short minutes to win a prize. How much more should we, who are the spiritual fighters of the kingdom of God and who have spiritual warfare in our lives, like Paul said, I count it not myself to have apprehended. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, there's a prize in God. There's a prize in a high calling of God and I want a calling on my life and I want to win what God has for me amen and the only way I'm going to do that is to discipline myself spiritually and in self-control brothers and sisters arm sisters put that one on there too brothers and sisters I'm just full of all kinds of fun today brothers and sisters our doctrine of salvation only works with our discipline in salvation I'll say it again. Our doctrine of salvation only works with our discipline and salvation. You have to have great grace in your life. That's true. But you have to have good self-discipline in your life. Yes, we magnify God's unbelievable mercy. But salvation is most effective in a self-disciplined life. Have I beat that horse? I just want to share it with you so much that you leave here going, self-discipline, self-discipline. That's how I have sustained success is self-spiritual discipline and self-personal discipline. Go home and clean out your car, please. <laughs> Go home and clean out your garage. Go home and make something look like you have been attending to it. Amen? I know we have excuses, but I want you to know that your pattern is producing your problem. Amen? I could stay there for a while, but I can't. If you have, as your pattern, hurried, if you're busy all the time, your hurry is your pattern, and it's producing hecticness in your life. Always so hectic, you don't actually finish anything, and you don't finish anything well, because you're so hurried that you can't focus on anything. It becomes your distraction. Your pattern produces your product. And so if you want a different product in your life, brothers and sisters, don't get mad at your boss. Don't get mad at family that betrayed you. Don't get mad at everyone else that did all of these things to you. Begin to look at the pattern. Anybody can point out a problem, Brother Dean. Anybody can look and say, well, that's wrong. Anybody can do that. Wisdom is a person who can look at the problems and go, I know how to fix that. I know the pattern that got them there. I know where the foot first started down the path that led to alcohol. I know where they first went wrong. If you can help somebody get back to their first mistake, you can help them find grace in it, get them washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and start a new pattern in their life. Amen? I used to think it's silly. My wife would sit for hours, sit for hours and cut out patterns. She was a big seamstress, but the bulk of her work was cutting out the pattern, it seemed like. 
She would sit for hours and make sure it all fit together and she'd lay it out and put pieces of the pattern. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm, I'm getting the pattern ready. I'm like, well, what's the big deal? She's got, she goes, if I skimp on this, I'll have a skirt that looks like this. <laughs> she goes, my suit will fit good on one side and won't fit at all on the other side. She goes, the pattern is what gives me success in the product that I'm trying to produce. And when you look at the pattern, they always have some model on the front of the pattern wearing the outfit that the thing in the bag is supposed to create. But if you don't work the pattern, you will never have the product. Amen? That's so much better than I have time to, to work on that. I could preach so much deeper. Some find it shocking. Here you go. I'm going to give you my Bible for what you're preaching, Pastor. Yes, Bible. Shocker. What, what I'm going to share with you is the fact that some people don't know that self-control and patterns are so important. Your patterns are necessary. You need to do routines every day. You need to get up and make that shake. Amen? You need to get up and do that regular routine of going to... to I, I know some of your routines going to lunch to work out, Brother Jesse. Amen? Some of us have regular routines. You need to do that. So it works with the Spirit as well. The Spirit gives you indicators of patterns you need to be involved in. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says this, for God hath not given us, give me five more minutes and I'll finish. This is important. I wanted to get to this all sermon right here. This will be a revelation for you if you've never seen it. Are you ready? Yeah, I, I didn't know it for the first 15 years of my ministry. Here you go. I'm about to give it to you. Do you want it? Okay, well, then we're done. <laughs> no, no. You, you want it? Okay, here we go. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God hath not given us a spirit of what? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. The word sound mind in the Greek translates to self-control. So the Bible says that the work of the spirit takes care of our fears in life by giving us power of the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. By giving us a love like no other in our hearts and by helping us with our self-control. Isn't that awesome? A sound mind there in Scripture translates to self-discipline. Amen? So, that translation puts it in a completely different spin than maybe you've ever heard it before. The verse also compares with most preaching that we hear only. Many people don't, reckon, don't reconcile it to self-discipline. They talk about having a, a mind that is clear and thinkable and is not, is not confused. But really, the scripture is saying that the Spirit of God will give you self-discipline, which will give you a focused mind, will give you a clear heart, will give you the ability to love the things of God and not the things of this world. Amen? So the Holy Spirit combats the forces and is our defense against this life and spiritual battles by giving us power, love, and self-control. The demon-possessed man of the Gadarenes, you guys remember him? Ten little islands that were called the Gadarenes was delivered and in his right mind at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind, the scripture says, that is the same word translated for self-control as you find right here of sound mind. It is an action verb. It requires action on your part, but it is ordained and it is aided by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's good preaching. In other words, self-control monitors your emotions so that your faith can hold on to God's promises. Amen, somebody. Self, the Holy Ghost helps you with self-control so you have a defensive wall in your life against the things that come against you. And so the scripture talks about a vine and a branch and all of these different things. And, and I read to you at the beginning a parable because we're trying to hit parables of a man who planted the fig tree in the garden and I think I've effectively dealt with the fact that there are some things that will not grow in your life unless you put time into them. You're going to have to add fertilizer. You're going to have to pay attention to something that seems like it's producing nothing in your life. That is the hardest place to be, Brother Dean. 
is to seem like you're throwing dollars in a hole. Hello, somebody. Trying to get that kid through college or trying to get that child through that tutor class or something that you're trying to help them and they don't seem to be getting it. But if you just keep on line upon line, precept on precept, if you keep on being there for them and helping them and continuing the success story of loving them when they don't seem to be lovable and doing all the things, there's going to come a shining moment where it all makes sense and you're going to watch them come out of their shell and they're going to have grounded morals in God and they're going to have what you put in them they're going to live and what you continue to put in them they're going to say somewhere in your walk with them and in life you're going to watch them step out and go no that's not how it is see God wants us to live like this and you're going to go they got it somehow they got it and it's all because you kept routines you kept self-discipline in front of them and your success is found in the fruit amen is that okay for today? God bless you. Let's stand together. Let's stand together and let's ask God to help us in some way. God, would you teach us that you're not our best friend all the time? That you're not going to show up and fix everything all the time. But you might be a gardener. And you're not the genie in the bottle where we rub you and we, we ask you our wish and, and you meet it. Then we just cork you the bottle and we walk out of here on Sundays and we go back to our life and we show up next Sunday to rub the genie on the bottle and get what we need again but Lord help us to understand as I know every soul here does that you are a gardener and maybe you've come to prune today or maybe we have felt pruned already maybe you've cut something off in our life and we're asking you God why some of us like a little child, we're just, why, 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 God, why, why? And you're patient with us, Jesus. And you're like pointing always back to, hey, go back to where you fell. Start there again. My grace is sufficient for you. Begin to master your own mind and heart. Begin to use self-control. Rule yourself with the word of God. And let my spirit be your power. And let my spirit be your love. And let my spirit be your self-discipline. Jesus, I'm asking that for every soul here. When we leave here today, would you show us a credit card that we need to cut up? When we leave here today, would you show us a need in a family member we've been neglecting because they don't deserve it? Well, we didn't deserve your love either, Jesus. And if we just keep on showing them love and showing them grace as you showed us love and grace, one day they're going to ask, what is it about your Jesus? And we will get the opportunity to see them saved. But it won't be without self-routine and self-discipline. Let our salvation be found spiritually in the strength of self-control. Today we serve you with all our hearts. Give us the power, give us your love, and give us great self-control so that we can have sustainable success. And everyone say, in Jesus' name.